Yeah, we get asked this all the time about build costs and how much is this going to cost me to build. New builds are a lot more predictable. Build cost is something that's been in the news recently. We'll talk about some of the variables. You are not doing everything yourself as a developer, you are the conductor of the orchestra. Welcome to the Property Developers Secrets Podcast. Making developments more achievable. Welcome to the Property Developers Secrets Podcast with myself, Andy Cook. And myself, Lloyd Girardi. So on this episode, we want to talk about build costs. So we want to talk about whether you can predict a build cost in conversions and sort of new builds, whether, you know, how it fluctuates, what the variables and all those kind of things, don't we, Lloyd? Yeah, we get asked this all the time about build costs and how much is this going to cost me to build and what's my price per square foot? And it is completely site-specific and depends on what you're building as well. So I just wanted to sort of give you a few tips to think about um, and talk about, I suppose, the current market as well. So build cost is something that's been in the news recently as of this, re- this recording, um, end of 2022. So yeah, build cost in general. Yeah, so as you said, we, it's something that we get asked a lot of new people coming into developments and people have been around the developments a lot. You know, how can I, you know, what's the pound per square foot to either, like I said, do a, a conversion or a new build? For, for a start, they're very different, aren't they? But it's very difficult to put a, a rule of thumb cost in for, for any of that. So if we can, we'll, we'll talk about some of the variables. So for a start, let's talk about the, the whole conversion to new build. So some people think that it's easier to do um, conversions because you've already got the build, you've already got the, the building there. So the walls and the floors and the roof and all that kind of thing. Um, and I suppose new builds are perhaps the next step for them. You know, they can't get their head around all the, the foundations and all the bits they've never done before. I suppose a lot of people have maybe done their house up or, you know, done a, a, a flip or something like that. So your conversion seems a little bit more natural to them. But I suppose the reality is, is that new builds are a lot more predictable. You know, there's obviously the variable of in the ground, isn't there? So you're going to have to dig your foundations. You don't really know what you're going to find in the ground and how deep your footings are going to go and your foundations. But once you get onto that and you get onto the the superstructure, the bit above the ground, then then actually, you know, that's all been done, you know, millions of times before. So very predictable how much material you're going to use. You're building on your own work all the time. So that's when we can start to apply you know, the the sort of pound per square foot or pound per square meter rates to it because QSs have, have done that lots and lots of times. On controversy, if you're um on contrast, if you if you look at a, a refurb, you just never know what you're gonna find, do you? You know, you you strip a wall back and you find asbestos, you can do as many surveys as you want at the start of the build, there's things gonna gonna change as you go along it. So it's very difficult to put a a rule of thumb cost on that because every one of them is just gonna be completely different, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And like I say, it's, it's very predictable from new build. Once you're out of the ground, um, you know exactly what you're building. And as you say, if you're converting a, a building, you've got to maintain the structure of the building whilst kind of building it or um, converting it. So yeah, you've got to kind of hold walls up to be able to then convert it and things like that. So there's an added cost in that way. So it's not always a case that new build is more expensive and conversions can become more expensive it just you've just got to take every every deal as it comes i mean a, a conversion as a an overall term in itself could be anything couldn't it you know and people have their own different versions of that so you know we, we've been involved and our students have been involved in conversions which are 
really light touch conversions you know you're not touching the roof you're not touching the foundations your the windows are fine you know you imagine a, a, a modern built office for instance you know doing a, a permitted de development conversion into um into residential you know we've had students who literally just had to almost put um, stud partitions for the walls and um you know put extra services in and things like that you know and they're just splitting up a building what's already there um whereas if you look at in contrast something like our mill road site where we it was an old factory we had to strip it completely back it's a new roof it's new windows it's underpinning foundations a whole network of steels going into it it's a completely different um bag and it's obviously going to come at a different cost isn't it yeah so i was just about to say that there's i suppose three levels of conversions you've got what you said a light conversion you've got a medium conversion and a, a heavy conversion as such so each one of those will change the price you're going to pay. So if it is just stud walls in between um, an existing building and it's there's not a lot of touching up and refurb to do, it is going to be on the cheaper side. So um, I think you've got to look at every deal when you're going into it and assess whether it's light, medium or refer uh, or um, heavy um, and who would be able to help with that situation if you've got no experience in builds. Uh, well, we would use um, QSs, quantity surveyors. So, you know, you want them to come in and, but there's, there's, there's a whole host of professionals that would do their bit if you like, you know, so in, um, you might need on a new build, you might need ground surveys to see what the makeup of the ground is, you know, whether there's any asbestos and all those kind of things, they're all going to affect the cost. And if you're looking at, and, and then a quantity surveyor, sorry, to finish that off, would then be able to look at all the other elements as you're putting it together and they would be able to work out you know how many, how much uh, of each material you need to put that building together and they're going to work from architects drawings um, structural engineers calculations so you know you bring in your team to be able to to, to ascertain all this which is why it's so difficult to get a an accurate pound per square foot um but and if you're, that's, i suppose on. that's why we use professionals that's why we use the people that are, that know what they're doing yeah yeah and as we say in probably this episode and many other episodes you are not doing everything yourself as a developer. You are the conductor of the orchestra and part of your orchestra is these teams, your professionals, so your uh, quantity surveyor, your structural engineer, uh, those kind of people. Yeah, 100%. And then, you know, you're, if you're doing a refurb, you could be adding sound engineers. You could, you know, you, you've got to work out the, the performance in a thermal capacity to what, what material is already there. Now, if you're doing that in a... In a new build, you you have what's called robust details. So you know that wall makeup in between those two terrace houses in a new build um, has been done lots of times before. So if it's a one-off, you have to get a sound engineer to come and test the performance of you know that that brick or block work against with that dot and dabbed um, plasterboard with that thickness of um, plaster on on the outside and a, even a layer of paint and things. You have to work out what the sound performance would be before you ever build it to work out and then test it afterwards but if you do um, a new build where it's done so many times you can use a robust detail which means in essence it's been sound tested hundreds of times as long as you make it in that exact ingredients like you'd make a cake then it will perform in this way so you can sign it off under that with building control so yeah it's a lot more predictable so if you're looking at a deal what are the kind of differences in indeed so let's look at a new build what what makes uh, an area different in build cost price so if you're in london for example compared to the northwest cumbria well there's there's um, lots of different factors but you know things like availability of labor 
So if you're working in an area where demand is less and you know there's a, an available um, labour, then there's you're going to get more people who want to do the job for a certain price, and you know they're um, they're going to knock their own price down. It's supply and demand, isn't it? Whereas if you're in a high demand area like London and you know it's hard to travel around and things like that, then you know then it's going to people will charge more. Um, I suppose in London as well, you've got added costs of travel. So yeah. there might be travel costs included in that. So you could factor that on where I suppose if you're in Cumbria, you can just park on site and you're there, but they might not be able to have the, the luxury of parking on site sometimes or yeah. even road closures could cost a lot more in London than it could in Cumbria. Well, you know, you've got the, the deliverability of a site. You know, if you're working on a, a field somewhere in any, anywhere in a, around the country and you've got access, you've got storage, you've got all of those things, then, you know, that's going to be a factor because if you're in the middle of London and you're, working on a building on a main street and you've got no storage you know you see it sometimes on the scaffold you've got all your welfare units literally hanging off the scaffold because the only the airspace is the only available space but then you think how that affects deliveries um you know the time on site getting people there people can't park even around where they're working you know if you're building let's take it to an extreme something like the shard you know the amount of labor none of them could even park around it so you know you've got to get local who can use local transport and things like that um, to be able to get there but you imagine the deliveries and everything that it's all going to affect the cost massively so areas is a factor that affects cost um, let's talk about quality of the build so obviously if you're building to a, a rental spec it might be cheaper than building to a, a sale spec uh, yeah definitely that you know the things like your, your kitchens you're going to put in then you're going to be using more um, standard replaceable items so you know you might go to a howden's kitchen because you know that that range is always going to be um, you're able to if someone breaks a panel or a door or something like that, you're going to be able to go in a few years time and probably still get the same range and replace it if you went and got a bespoke kitchen hand finished doors which you know changes every year with with fashion if you like then it's going to be difficult if somebody um somebody does that but on the flip side if you were selling a really expensive house like a bespoke house then they're probably not going to expect a Howden's kitchen it they're going to want a bespoke painted one so you've got to sort of understand the market that you're you're working towards um but it doesn't always work like that there are a few exceptions on, on our first site in tandem court in in the middle of northampton that's one we still own and we still rent those units out so in effect it was a rental style building but we had to render all the outside of it three-story building you know, we took the choice to spend a bit more on the render instead of just doing a sand and cement painted render, which would fade and need redoing after a few years time, which would have took an expensive scaffold. We chose to spend a bit more, um, put a color three render on it, you know, a K rend or a Weber rend or something like that, uh, which would then it almost cleans itself when it rains and it keeps it fresher for a lot longer. So we spent a bit more money to save sort of maintenance in the future. I think another factor that can affect bill costs is um, especially for in our projects, Mill Road, for example, is the height of the ceiling. So not, not a lot of people would think about that, but how does this, the height of the ceiling affect um, the bill cost, for example? Well, it's purely on material and labour, you know, it's a, it's a massive factor, actually. So that was an old factory, um, and we had that discussion early on, that standard new build, um, all the metrics of a new build uh, are about efficiency, supply, and, um, you know, um, uh, about the more you do, the cheaper it will get. So... The standard new build ceiling height will be about two, three fifty, maybe two point four meters, but it's two point four for a reason. So you know that's the size of a, a plasterboard, um, and you know one one plasterboard on, on end covers that wall. Basically, you start going over two point four meters, 
then uh, which is eight foot in, in old money if you like um, then you know you're going to have like cuts of a plasterboard so you know that instead of one plasterboard on its end going around the room and and, and finishing that wall like we went up to um, 2.8 um, up to nearly even three meters in some of those ceilings so you think you're up suddenly a plasterboard and a half or a third so suddenly you're using a lot more materials to do it but even your plasterers your painters they'll all perhaps work on a meter coverage rate and so you, just, a lot more labor in, in essence as well and just to sort of reiterate why we did that as well is this was a factory conversion which um that we're set by the, the windows here so it was because of the windows really that there were really big windows in a factory as you can imagine um but we were kind of keeping that height for the reason of the windows so this is where your conversion cost might not be cheaper than a new build because like, if we were building that new we wouldn't be building to three meter high ceilings no. um so yeah you've got to sort of factor that in and, and be in i suppose you've got to go with what you've got haven't you on that one yeah definitely and you know that in that build we were hit by a lot of price rises as well so uh, specifically as you said earlier as we record this it's it's the, coming to the end of 2022, um, you know, off the back of what happened with COVID and all of those kind of things there. And, you know, this was quite a long build, so we got hit by all of that a little bit. But specifically over the last 12 months, we've, in the building industry, seen a massive spike in raw material costs. So there's always something, so just to caveat this, you know, that there's always something in the building industry which is, you know, uh, inflated in price. You know, you look, think back to when we were all in lockdown, you know, it was plaster, you know, that, your, your normal thistle plaster went absolutely crazy. You know, what you can get a bag for, I don't know, what is it, five, six quid normally or whatever it is. People were fighting um, on yeah. the street for it. There was they? literally fights. There was, you know, people, you know, like selling it on eBay for, you know, almost hundreds of pounds a bag, you yeah. know. It went ridiculous because it's supply and demand. There was none, the, the factories shut down in COVID. There was no labor to carry on manufacturing it. So what was in the market went crazy and you know there's always something like that even under normal times we've seen over the past I suppose I've been in, involved in since 2007 in the building industry and in that time I've seen blocks in demand and, and, and inflated prices I've seen bricks I've seen roof tiles I've seen plaster I've seen plaster boards there's always one of those items because you know they run when we, when we talk about building it's a massive industry there's um, there's lots of building going on pretty much all the time but they run to quite a lean demand you know the factory might be in another country somewhere you know, there, there's nowhere to store that much material so when it gets it when it goes wrong that's when we see the shortfall in, in supply and demand and it means the price is hiked up there's always one material now what we don't normally see is it all at the same time and what we saw after the back of covid and in the last 12 months is that many of the materials were inflated i mean when we started um the price for the steel worker um at mill road for instance went up i think 40 45 percent in a matter of months and you know that's really hard to 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 predict um but also at the same time timber was going up and all those other things now at the same time the gdvs at the other end the gross development value the the end sale price was rising as well so it sunk a lot of that in um but what we also know is that nothing when it's rising like that you know it's an exponential rise it's not a normal rise it's not a percentage inflation rise or something like that exponential is it's you know its curve is massive um nothing can sustain that so if something goes through that we know that it can't do that forever because you know the world would implode obviously a bit like the fuel uh, the fuel prices recently as well which yeah. was a factor to why those bill costs went up as well 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we saw fuel go up, you know, skyrocketed to, you know, I won't, I won't quote um, figures on it, but we've, we've seen that settle down now. And we're just starting to see the, the ref, that reflecting in, in uh, materials costs as well. So um, the yards are, but there's a lot of factors in that as well. So the, the material cost went exponentially high. Um, that was driven by things like the fuel. It was, you know, demand, all those kind of things. But to control that within their own environment, the building merchants and you know they they actually bought a lot of stock. They filled their yards up because they expected it to carry on rising, so they could control it if it was in their yard. But actually, in the last few weeks in the market as it is now, we've seen that building has cooled off a little bit. People are talking about you know the news is talking about recessions and all those kind of things. So some of the big builders are actually pulling back on their um, schedules a little bit which is filtering back to those yards who have just filled up their yards to control build costs. I actually heard, I'm not going to quote which builder, but one of the UK's biggest builders saying that they'll stop building just to try and control the build cost. Yeah. So if they're stopping, then yeah, the build costs will have well, to come the, down. The, the knock-on effect is that those yards who are filled with materials to try and control it, then they need to get money back in the business because they're not selling as much material as they did. So, you know, they're having to reduce prices, discount, get, you know, get some cash back in the business. Um, you know that and the effects of things like you said with fuel costs and things like that coming down so delivery is less you know all those materials are being manhandled from their raw um, source to the manufacturer to the you know the, the the retail outlet that we're buying them for there's a lot of traveling with any material really so even things like fuel costs will make a massive difference uh, they went up i think on average about 26 percent the build cost so knowing that is going to help you actually buy sites in the future so you is a way of helping you negotiate on sites and get the price cheaper. So this is, you've got to know, you've got to go into a deal thinking it's like how that contingency in there, knowing the bill costs potentially will increase. So you've always got to overestimate that bill cost to start with, but you've also got to kind of negotiate on the land purchase price. So don't pay what they're asking for. You've got to try and get it cheaper. And a way of getting it cheaper is by telling people that you've obviously seen what's happening in the news, bill costs are going up. So I can't pay what you're offering. Because I'm not going to take that risk and buy the site at the asking price for it to go up and uh, and not make any profit. So you've got to you've got to have that negotiation to start with as well. So hopefully this will help people negotiate. Yeah, no, definitely. And you know, the, if things go up, then there's always going to be a tipping point the other way. So you know, as you said, people expect in the market now that the you know even the person on the street knows that you know those material costs have been high so and certainly people who own buildings and plots of land are going to be aware of that through people who have been offering to them so you can catch that curve the other side and um you know use that as a negotiation point as you just mentioned there then you know you can have it as your contingency and perhaps catch it on the on the down as well um but you know a couple of other things just quickly while we end the episode but other things that could affect um your the build on a project that you've got it can just be simply you know a build company has got staff that they need to employ you know and keep employment so that they might cut their profit margin down to um just to keep to buy a job if you like you know so it's not always just about the materials on a build cost it's about you know who's delivering it what situation they're in at the time when people are really really busy they might you know double their profit margin because they're just not bothered about whether they get the work or not so you know you're having to you're having to pay more to get that same job done um just to, because there's less of uh, labor available in the in the market whereas if people are then stuck for work 
you know, then they almost on the opposite side of it, they'll cut their profit margin right down because they've got to pay the guys who work for them anyway. So it's, you know, it's almost worth not making a profit as a build company. So it depends where you enter that market. You, I suppose the point being is you need to be aware of those cycles. You need to be aware where we are in those cycles. So as you are making your offers, reflecting that at the time where we are. So I think advice would be to always get at least three or four quotes in, um, analyze why the cheapest quote is cheaper. Uh, but without asking them, say, oh, you're the cheapest quote, why is it that cheap? Because they'll be like, oh, I should have put some more margin on there. But um, just kind of find out, it, can this person deliver what I'm asking them to do uh, at the price that they're quoting? So, yeah, I think it's it's worth considering, but three, four quotes would be advisory, I'd say. Yeah, but if you don't know the meaning of those quotes, then that goes back to your professional team, doesn't it? So yeah, you, know, you leverage the QSs, the project managers, the people around you, um, and even some of the tools are great um, that you can you can get to help you online now. So, um, but they can help you qualify, you know, where those quotes are in the market. And and quotes are only really, you know, tender packs, quotes, whatever you want to call it, they're only really useful if the information that's given out to the people is is the same. You know, so if you've got a really good specification, all that kind of stuff, and then you've got some way of qualifying those responses you get against each other because you know someone can tell you one thing um but they're not including the supply of a kitchen for instance or something like that you know but they look cheaper but it's kind of a false result isn't it because they're not they're not actually quoted the same thing so you've got to make sure that the um the way that the simpler you can give your tender pack with the specifications drawings all those kind of things so it can't be um you know read wrong if you like and and quoted in a different way to the the comparables you know, Again, this is why we use professionals because they know how to tender for it and they also know what they're reading when it comes back. So yeah, I suppose it's a, a good time to finish on that and say just use the professionals within your uh, circle. Make sure that they're doing their job to help you do your job better. 100%. Awesome. I've been Lloyd Girardi. And I've been Andy Cook. Thanks for listening.